0: trying
1: to do it you just
0: i think you just... everybody thinks that they think somebody else just knows you know it's just like when you're kids you think adults have it all figured out if adults don't know what they're doing you're just like figuring out
2: if
0: you like want to try to grow something in the backyard just try and like you want to be a farmer you want to whatever you want to do i think yeah we both have the attitude of you just gotta ju- take that huge jump and just figure it out every day
3: Listening to the Feel Good Community Podcast. My name is Storm. And I'm Will. A few years ago, we began our journey towards learning more about sustainability, health, and wellness.
4: The more we learned, the more we couldn't believe that this vital information wasn't mainstream knowledge.
3: These simple yet effective ways to heal our bodies and save our planet are being drowned out by the latest pop culture noise.
4: Together, we began to change our lifestyle to help heal our bodies, our brains, and our planet.
3: We have become deeply passionate about sharing this knowledge, whether it's a book we're reading, interviews from leading experts, or even just personal anecdotes. We want you to know about it.
4: And most importantly, we want you to take this knowledge and apply it to your own family and community.
3: All that being said, welcome to the Feel Good Community Podcast. and welcome to today's episode of the Feel Good Community Podcast. On this episode, we are welcoming Asha Niles of Ho'omokua Farm, located on Maui, Hawaii. So, how are you guys? Good. Doing great. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so um, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Give us the, the elevator pitch of what you guys are all
0: about. Perfect. I can take it. <laughs> I'm Ash, and my other half here, Niles, we are of Ho'omakua Farm. We are located in Maui, Hawaii on the Haleakala Volcano, which is on the Ahupua of...
1: Alai 3 and 4. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry always the best part about that.
0: Um, and we are an organic uh, market garden style right that we yeah. would consider our farm a micro farm a micro farm within a farm um that produces csa veggie bags for the community as well as produces for our local um high-end restaurants that cater more towards the tourism but some local market as well and that is our kind of like our focus on what we do do you want to add anything to that babe
1: yeah, um, I like to say in this day and age, everybody talks about regenerative agriculture. And, and really, it's just another form of indigenous, indigenous agriculture. And that's what we mm-hmm. like to do here is to be able to incorporate a full systems approach or a whole systems. So everything goes back into each other in um, and, and regards to the environment. Everything that we produce, any kind of waste that we have, will either go into compost or will go to chickens or we'll go to cows. Um, so we waste nothing as well as uh, every awesome. year we have the trees trimmed. And that's what also enables us to be able to do our compost and that's how we amend our beds and that's how we are able to produce such healthy and giant vegetables. Yeah.
4: That's awesome. I really love, you know, those zero waste Mm -hmm. cycles. I know we live in a city, you know, and we have, I don't know. I always get really excited when we get little cycles like that. Mm -hmm. Like we have pet hamsters for our child and, uh, we use like the shredded paper. So we like get our mail in, shred it, use the shredded paper for the hamster bedding and then use the the shredded paper from the hamster bedding in our compost.
1: Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, yeah. we, do that. we
4: have very small, small scale of what you do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, I, I mean, to I be know, able to yeah. do it on a small scale like that is still um, that much more rewarding too, to be able to see what you can do in an urban style opposed to mm-hmm. a rural where we have roughly five acres where you're... In a very small knit area, but you're still able to to put that back into that uh, zero waste, which is incredible.
0: And inspiring small movements is always what we're trying to do here. Is you know we jumped into it not knowing too much skills and passing it on to other people that can take it on a micro level is all we could ever hope for. Inspire inspiring people for sure.
4: Yeah, that's cool. How uh, how did you get started?
0: Yeah. Tell us your story. Yeah, our story. Well, we both have a hospitality background. Um, living here on in Maui, Hawaii, where well, Niles has family background that brings him to Hawaii. But myself, I was brought here to open a hotel, and I actually still do have a wedding company on the island called Bespoke Destination oh, Events. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's really my heart and passion. And then when Niles and I met, he was in restaurants um, working his little booty off and just like high-end dining and work going from hotels. And uh, you did that just your whole life, like yeah. ever since you were 16. So really basically started off as
1: a dishwasher at the age of 15 in rural Indiana. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> to Olive Garden, from Olive Garden to Morimoto, Waikiki, which angry? is really high end.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I had somebody yeah
1: um at olive garden tell me you should be in fine dining and then n- not even 24 hours after moving to Oahu where my dad lives or lived, he lives on Big Island now. Um, mm-hmm. I actually landed that job. And then from that, I went to a corporate training director and so on and so forth. And...
0: So we saw lots of waste, like in our backgrounds yeah. and still do, like especially with all the big events and weddings that I do, you know, to host these events for three hours and to see all this waste is just shocking and something that's just like, how can we fix this in our community? I'm sure and it's
3: hard
1: too. So hard especially to see. Especially in an island yeah. community where we don't have any kind of recycling plants here where we send it off to California yeah. and. Um, Unless we we really are able to create a zero waste system, I mean, we have very limited resources out here and we have to be paying attention now versus later down the road.
0: So we had stumbled upon a, well, I had stumbled, I don't know how Niles had seen it, but I had stumbled upon a Facebook ad that was Maui County sponsored. Um, so government sponsored, but also partnered with UH Maui, which is the college out here for and like, do union. you want Yeah. And the farmer's union. Like, do you yeah. want to be a farmer? I'm like, well, that's, yeah, I always kind of had, but never had anybody <laughs> that really wanted to like jump into it with me. So I'd asked Niles if he had seen it. He's like, yeah, I had seen that. And this guy's like the most persistent person ever so he just ran with it and applied for us and we went through the whole process and were accepted and were the co part of the 26 members of cohort four right yeah and so they accepted like four couples um and the rest were singles it was the first year they accepted couples because they really want to establish more farmers um out Mm. here in the islands and we went through a whole curriculum Um, it was pretty daunting and it was from December, yeah December through June and on on farm work, I guess you call it. Like so, every Saturday, you'd go to a farm and just learn from every top farmer on the island. And then on Wednesdays, awesome. you'd do like Zoom classes. And it was from beginning to end, like from the soil to marketing on how to be a farmer. And now, I mean, short and long, long story, but now we're here at Kupa'a Farms, who is one of the mentors. And mm-hmm. we became, Niles became the farm manager. Um, and that has always been something that I was just so happy to see him jump out of hospitality and get into his hands. Were always so happy, um, when things turn green and I, that's not me, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> the green thumb. I'm the storyteller and that's personally how we've been here for a year now and just learning and growing, I guess. That's so is that, story.
3: <laughs> is that what you meant when you said the farm within a farm? Exactly. Okay. That's so cool. And, um, yeah, I am, an, I I I get what you're saying. Like, I have this joke that as soon as a plant, like, passes the threshold, like, it's on death row (laughs) because, (laughs) I mean, like, we now... We have more living than dying plants, but it's well understood that when I pick out a plant,
0: I'm like, oh, I wonder how long I can keep you alive for. (laughs) I know. So the passion's there, I promise. Um, But community's (laughs) always been my focus and my love. And then just making sure that waste is something that's not happening on the island and how could I address it? And with both of our backgrounds, then it really led us to. We have tons of chef partnerships on the island, and being able to I make like that, that full circle is very rewarding to both of us, um, just in our past careers, current careers, and now just to be able to get back to the island with kind of that full circle look. Oh, I love
3: hearing that. That's so awesome.
4: So can you tell, that kind of leads me into a question I had about the actual name of your farm. I saw, the, I saw you had an Instagram post that kind of described what the, the name meant. But can you tell people, you know, in your own words, what it means and why you chose the Ho'o Makua Farm?
1: Um, yeah, let me just touch back up on. So after we finished the FAM program, we came here in August of 2019. Um, and within that first real year until July 2020, we were kind of just getting our feet on the off the ground, trying to learn and trying to soak in as much as we could. And so mm-hmm. come July 2020, we actually then started taking on the full responsibility, and that's when we became a farm within a farm as our predecessors ended up stepping back. Okay. And so that's kind of where this name came up, is because we wanted to make it really relevant into the scenario that we were going into. Um, so there's a couple different parts as well as um in Hawaiian culture, a word can have multiple different meanings. Um so we'll touch just on a couple of those. But basically, okay. one of the, the biggest is is almost stepping into maturity or becoming mature. So where we were in August, 2019 to where we were in July, 2020, there was a lot of growth um, just Mm -hmm. in that small amount of time. When you do something every single day and it becomes such a big part of your life, you tend to catch on really quickly. Um, Especially when you have such a great teacher, like we had with our predecessors at Coupa. Have. Have, I should say, (laughs) with Jerry Ross. They're Um, amazing. At any point in time, if I have a question about anything, I have that person at the tip of my fingers, or I could honestly yell across our houses right now and say, Hey Jerry. And <laughs> I'll have 20 years experience, um, to be able to tell me that answer
0: on this land. And then their family goes back as well. So,
1: so from us learning to us climbing into that, into that role where we became mature in the sense of having a farmer's lens, um, is what I like to call it. And then the fostering and adopting, whether yeah. you want to consider them that kupaa fostered and adopted us or that we're adopting the land or really, when it comes down to it, the land's really adopting us. Um, In Hawaiian culture or most indigenous cultures, there's no possession, especially of land. And they call it aina
2: here. And so really
1: we're we're taking on that role and that responsibility or kuleana is what they like to call it out here um, of taking care of the land and and really um, taking that stewardship to the next level. And then even becoming established or permanent. So before Kupa'a was... um, their father that farmed this land. So this land has been farmed for about 40 years and without having somebody to be able to take on that next role, just like as the older generations start to get tired and they're, and they're incapable or unable to be able to do the intensive farm labor that sometimes it takes. Um, a lot of farmers in that older generation may be fearing that they're not able to pass that, um, what are, their it's passion or right now. Yeah. You know, pass it that pass on to the next traditions generation
3: down to their yeah. Kiki. Yeah. yeah.
1: So 40 okay. years could be coming, um, ending abruptly. And so again, establishing ourselves in that, in that small scale farming here to create a more permanent food security for Maui is really what we're, we're going for. So that's kind of where our name comes from. It's kind of all those roles of maturity of adopting, um, the land and the land adopting us and then really establishing ourselves here in the Maui community as two people that are going to step into that next generational role of micro Mm -hmm. or small micro farms and to be really, um, take a helm here in Maui agriculture for the new generations.
3: That's a huge honor. I hope that's not lost on you guys. I'm sure it's not, but that's really, that's really incredible to have this generational land and, Mm -hmm. You know, you guys get to be a part of that and you guys get to be a part of the story as, you know, the land changes and it passes down to your, you know, like you're, I'm sure like multiple stewards will take on, will take it on over time, but that's really special. And, um, you know, so we were able to live on Hawaii, um, on Oahu for about three years and I really loved the relationship that, um, that most of the people had with the land and had with just, there is a spirituality of Hawaii. Right. Absolutely. And um, I did, I worked in the, um, I guess you could say I worked in the hospitality industry and in the way that I was a, I was a wedding photographer out there. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I got to I got to sit in on a lot of, like, customs classes that uh, NACE had there, and it's, I don't know, I think we've moved a lot, and I think moving from Hawaii was probably the hardest move. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely.
3: Yeah. It, after three years there, because I lived, I lived in Kailua when I first got there, and then we moved on base, but we spent... Almost every like almost every Thursday, every Sunday at the farmers markets and the Aloha market and it was it was it was really hard to move because I felt like it felt like home. There's just a very there's just a really I don't know how to describe it, there's just a good energy.
4: Yeah, it even goes, you know, into the, the state motto, you know, I'm not gonna try to pronounce it in Hawaiian <laughs> Hawaiian, but you know, the life of the land is perpetuated by righteousness, you know? Absolutely.
0: 100%. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost like we felt like we feel that no, responsibility. I feel it done. always that it's no. almost just no question. So when we did get here to start interning and to help, and when they said, you know, maybe we are just going to transition all the farm to Kahlo, which would be amazing and incredible. But they have been the longest standing CSA on the Island for over 20 years. And to see that just be no more and to all those families, it was just something that we were just like, no, the responsibility yeah. is just, it's almost just like, we have to, like, you have, we have to help pick this up. And it was, you Absolutely. were called. Yeah. How
1: we're many,
4: saying- sorry, go ahead.
1: Um, just about that energy. Um, what I really love about Hawaii is that collectivisticness that you get out here, yes. that aloha yes. where everybody is kind of out, here for the community and out here for each other where you pass somebody and they look at you straight in the eyes and they want to say, hi, good morning, or aloha. Um, mm-hmm. That's oh, why <laughs> I absolutely love that feeling here is because it doesn't seem like nobody wants to talk to you and they're kind of in their own bubble. It's everybody wants to make sure everybody is happy and loving and just sharing whatever they can.
3: I, I definitely agree. There is just like that community feeling and I feel like everybody has a responsibility to the land, to the waters. And it's not like, oh, that's not my trash or it's right. not my responsibility. But everybody, it, I've noticed that definitely like with people that have lived there for a while or locals, like that's their home, you yeah. know, like in you and everybody takes care of their home. And I think that's really
1: wonderful. Absolutely. And for the sake of maybe not, it's not in front of me, but I'm gonna try. Uwamao ke'e i ikapono e hawaii. Is kind of how okay. You, <laughs> <laughs> you <right>.
2: tainted it.
1: <laughs> I might be missing one at the end, but Hawaii. <laughs> it might be a e or a. E. I am. I'm, it's go. not in front of me, but that's how you would kind of pronounce that.
4: Um, yeah, I know. I've seen it a lot, and you know, if I have it in front of me, I can stumble my way through it. But, yeah, <laughs> that is. Pretty oh impressive.
3: Gosh. I remember when I first moved there, and I was using the GPS, and I was like, "Is Siri broken?"
0: Oh my gosh! <laughs> True, she made me feel better when I first moved here. I was like, "Okay, I can.
3: I yeah." I was I like, "All right, I don't sound this bad."
1: So. Yeah.
4: Did you? Ever... I think once you once you realize like the apostrophe means like
1: a a hard stop. Yeah, you know, it helps out a lot. Oh yeah. My um my father got me a long time ago when I was really young. Um, maybe the first couple of grades, but he's like, like, like highway, the licky, licky oh highway. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I got reamed for that for a really long time. So pronunciation <laughs> is definitely something, um, but, when you're out here longer, you, you really want to take, um, key to that and make sure that you're pronouncing things as appropriate as you can. And oh, yeah. not being able to take that, um, that coaching from Hawaiians because it's really important to be able to mm-hmm. pronounce things appropriately to them because you could change a whole genealogy, with oh. the moving of the Okina is what they call the back. So beautiful. Yes.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Okina. I remember. So I went to um, HTC and uh, Kapiolani oh, yeah. and um, you better put that Okina in, <laughs> <laughs> in there. Otherwise like, they won't, they won't accept it. They're like, oh, you spelled this wrong. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, And so I I appreciate that. I I think, I mean, this is an entirely different topic than just farming, but... Right. <laughs> exactly. Being <laughs> authentic is important. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think that it's really important that they hold on to their culture because, I mean... Hawaii was colonized. Like yeah. like many places, but it's I feel like in I feel like it's much more apparent when you go there that you realize like we messed up. Absolutely. Like, yes. We messed up.
0: T- it's definitely where we've found our role in the community as well as helping with food security and helping with Huli giveaways and connecting mm-hmm. and, you know, enabling our whether they're Hawaiian friends or friends in town to grow their own food and to how many was our last hooli giveaway like
1: 700
0: 700
1: um hooli is basically a, a clipping or you could consider it maybe a clone that you replant okay. so it's a side shoot that comes off the the corm
2: mm-hmm. oh, and the nice. corm
1: Ooh. is like what the potato would be at the very bottom and it has little oha or cakey come off. And then you can just take okay. it, trim the top, trim the bottom and just put it in the ground and it grows. And that's how you can yeah. the lineage of it. Um, oh, that's cool. So it's a, it's a staple canoe crop that when they came in the migration, that was one of the 32 crops they came. So anytime someone refers to canoe crops, it's one of those, such as banana oh, okay.
0: of other things.
1: But yeah, yeah I we can go on forever. About and I was
0: like, oh, canoe things, crops. i that as, makes sense. Yeah. Food growing's a revolution. Yes. Absolutely.
4: So you said, are you one of the largest or the largest uh, CSA on Maui right now?
0: Definitely. Like not. How many? I wouldn't say one of the largest, but one of the longest standing. Like,
2: longest uh, okay. standing,
0: definitely. Um, for years, of our predecessors, in, yeah, yeah. in sense of years of how long they've been doing it here. Um,
4: what a! Uh, how many CSA shares do you guys support?
0: And
3: real quick for for people that don't know what a CSA is, will you go ahead and just give us a definition and then kind of move forward from there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, CSA is Community Supported Agriculture. And gosh, if you asked me that five years ago, I wouldn't even know. Um, but mm-hmm. what it is, is supporting one of your local farms or farmers that you know, and kind of advanced purchasing your vegetables. So you're committing to that farmer saying, I want to support the farm. And this is what I'm gonna get, and it's a harvest share every week. Um, but you do trust with the risks that come along with um, a farm, and you are just wholeheartedly yeah. supporting that farm when they do go up and down. Luckily, we've never had any downs that we haven't been able to not.
1: I won't commit. knock on wood, but.
0: We <laughs> <Yeah>. have <laughs> <Yeah. our> veggies, <laughs> and they're <are> always <laughs> abundant harvest boxes, um, but our members know that they can have their guaranteed veggies every single week um, to them. And then they're supporting us in advance to buy the seeds and the amendments and be supported as a company here on the Island.
1: So we do a a three month subscription. So basically a quarterly harvest share. Um, Mm. and you can, some do a week, some do a year. So just depending on where you fall, we're trying to get,
0: we're trying to transition Maui because traditionally in the States, it's been more of annual because that's the growing season. You know, you buy yeah. spring through fall and out here, a lot of farmers have traditionally relied on restaurants and tourism. And so CSA is relatively new, but definitely picking up in the last year, like massively. And that's so a awesome. lot of farmers have always done week to week. And that's what we saw when we came in here. It was just so daunting on farmer Janet to have to every single week, keep selling these bags and then people not show up or not, commit. And so transitioning into a membership model was my focus when I came here and it's been incredible for everybody to be like committed that way. It's pretty awesome.
1: And so to repeat your question, um, how many CSA members do we have? Um, when we got here in August and up until when we kind of, or when we got here in August, they were doing anywhere from 12 to 15. Um, at our highest, after we came in, we were at 60 and now we're at 40. So we do 40 CSA shares a week. Um, That's awesome. Tuesday and 20 on Friday.
0: Yeah, two harvest shares a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. And then... People either pick up in town. Um, We have like various drop spots that the four of us farmers go, and it's predetermined with a time. They get 15 minutes to kind of meet us and say hi and ask us any questions. Or they can pay a little bit less and just pick up here at the farm curbside. And all of it's real no contact with everything that's so sensitive health-wise now. And just make sure we put it in your car and you continue on. And it's been awesome to be able to help people feel safe as well and have healthy organic food every single week. People just lose their mind when they get their surprise bags every week. It's really cute. So, what comes what comes
3: in their their CSA share every week? Like, what can what can somebody expect from
1: it? So, I guess we could have ex- expressed that too in the sense of the CSA. So, we like to put anywhere from eight to thirteen different varieties in there,
0: and oh, it so could cool.
1: be um, we grow anywhere from thirty five to forty varieties at a single time.
0: Um, At the farm. It's like a full-on grocery store. Every single thing you could imagine is growing here. It's pretty wild. So and cool. little- I saw your purple cauliflower... Yes, people see this is where it's like mind blowing. It might be in some of the harvest shares, but not in all of the harvest shares. And that's always like the thing. So it's I'd be so hurt money. if I didn't get one.
1: Oh, and we, oh, hear-, we
0: hear it from our certain members. <laughs> so they share. We can the like, share. With so each other. Tuesday
1: members will tell Friday members what they got. <laughs>
0: We're trying. Our oh, and it's
1: like, well, yeah. oh, we got this. Oh, we didn't get that. Oh my gosh. But the we, bad love bad.
0: Taking, <laughs> we love taking care of those members. It's always like really fun to have that relationship with the ones that like to be really involved. And then they get like something really big the next week. And it's a really fun just relationship with everybody.
1: <laughs> um, but it could be oh, awesome. uh, some of the main stuff is going to be like carrots and sometimes beets, but we do choy, cauliflower, cabbage. We do broccolini and broccoli, uh, broccolini more sprouting. Um, Always two potatoes, huge heads of lettuce. Yeah. That's lettuce. Like We're standard. really known for our lettuce um, as well. We do tomatoes, uh, turnips, radishes, garlic, ginger, uh, grapefruit, we sell all of our mangoes as add-ons just because in the sense of when we're trying to build a box, we don't want anything that's too overvalued or not overvalued, I should say, but a high value.
0: Yeah. Because it would limit the amount of things, right, that we, they'd have in there. We do a
1: $30 value box. So if we put, let's say, oyster, we don't do mushrooms, but let's, we put mushrooms in there that cost $10 a pound now you're taking away a third of the box if I give you a pound of, um, yeah. right. so we don't like to do that. We like to make sure again, that there's anywhere from eight to di- 13 different varieties in there. Um,
0: but then people can add on, which is really fun. And it really gives people that aren't members as well, an opportunity to just book like on our little Instagram, they can book like the little curbside appointment and say like, I want to try mangoes, carrots and lettuce. And if we have extra, because we just had a great week, then we can put together little add-ons for people too. So we kind of, manage both of those different outlets. I,
3: mean, I want to come to dinner at your guys' house. Yeah. Oh, I know. We like try to invite
0: chefs over all the time too. We grow all the food, but we'd love someone to come cook it for us.
3: Yeah. <laughs> We're like, there I did do. all the hard work. You can you can come on over.
1: <laughs> we do actually have a couple of chefs that have helped us um, since the beginning of March in 2020. Um, and we we occasionally get food cooked for us, so they prep stuff that they got to take home, and they bring it back the next day for lunch, and We'll do an hour, two hour lunch and then we go back out and work some more. And
0: when he means help, he means volunteer. Like a lot of chefs went out, they, you know, didn't have a job for so many weeks or oh, months out here. Yeah. And so a lot of them just jumped in, like, I want to get my hands dirty in the food. And it's funny to watch them all now mm. be like, mm, maybe I want to farm and not go back <laughs> <Does> to <that> chef. <laughs> <Yeah. mean? laughs> we are itching so bad. Like, so, you know,
3: Will wants to finish out his, um, he wants to basically be able to collect his retirement from the Marine Corps. And I'm like, babe, let's just run away and like get like 25 acres and we'll have bees and we'll have cattle and we can have all the flowers and the garden. I was like, we can do it. We will live yes. off the do land. <laughs> yes. Yes. I got
4: 11, 11 more years. Okay. And
3: Yeah, and I'm like, okay, well, what about, what if I just go back and I'll get everything started? And he's like, no, you're staying
0: with me. I'm like, I just want to farm. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I admire all of you, your efforts. I like watching your stories. You're definitely getting your good practice in. (laughs) Did you see our bok choy? I didn't. Did you see the bok choy? I don't think I did
3: yet. No. We um so I I purchased some bok choy from the grocery store and then you know we cut it and everything and I was looking at it and I was like can we plant this and Will's like yeah let's go for it and so we have these these big containers and he planted the the, the cut part and we already have bok choy growing and it's
0: so exciting. <laughs>
2: That's See? awesome. That's what we, you know, like, yeah,
0: absolutely. And that's something that everybody can do. And that's you know an yes. incredible thing to be able, like, oh, here's a pepper, but there's a hundred seeds inside that you can plant. Exactly, literally a hundred more plants. And again, that's I love to empower people with that knowledge. It's pretty awesome. And
3: I'm like, okay, if we are literally living in just a straight up concrete jungle, I'm like, everybody can do this. And we have friends that have yards and stuff, and I'm like, please just grow something. It's so I rewarding. Like. Hayden gets so excited she calls them our babies and oh. uh, you know like because I call them our babies and I'm like look how big they're getting and she's like oh they're so cute <laughs>
2: <laughs> is that I mean,
3: is that your guys's kids do you guys have yeah kids? how old are they um Callie is six and
0: Hayden is three um, oh, we love, just, we don't have children, but we have so many kids in our CSA and they just mm-hmm. get so excited and we get to like see them every week. And that's something I didn't have as a child. You know, you go to the grocery store yeah. and you just think the food comes from the back and so to be connected to food and that you guys are already introducing that to them is so awesome so fun to see all the kids we love
1: it one of the little ones already wants to be a paleontologist yeah that was his mind when he comes to the compost
0: yes (laughs)
3: yes that was what i wanted to be when i was little like granted it was because i was like a dinosaur jurassic park fanatic but
0: i wanted to be a paleontologist so bad when i was little so that's, so that's awesome. <laughs> I was gonna be a meteorologist. I was for sure gonna be a weather person. And I did a little stint. I was a snow snowboard weather girl for a second. <laughs> at the ski <street> resorts. <laughs> oh that's so funny. That's funny. But now we're farmers. Yeah.
1: I wasn't. <laughs> I, I remember my mother and father taking me down this art museum and they had a dinosaur exhibit. And as they got to the door, I was about five years old at the time. As they got to the door, the Tyrannosaurus Rex roared. They said they turned around and I was already around the corner. Just full out sprint. <laughs> <laughs> no! You're not taking me in there. Oh my God.
3: That's so funny. No, so. I, I was like, um, so there was Sharp Tooth for me, which was um, Land Before Time. That was okay. my shit. And then um, Sharp <laughs> Tooth... And then sharp tooth with people, which I accidentally saw at Jurassic Park when I was really little. And then my mom said that from there on, she like would have to fight me because she's like, I don't want to see you get, like watching people get eaten by the dinosaurs. Oh. I was like, no, mom, I'm for it. Let me watch
1: it. Yeah, I'm down.
3: I was like, it's cool. I love it.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think that's why right. I was afraid, because I watched Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, you're
3: like, I know how this ends, All right.
1: <laughs> I know what I happens to people like before. me. <laughs> oh.
3: oh, But yeah, I just, it's been so special to be able to watch the girls, um, well, our youngest mostly, um, get to, you know, grow plants and get excited about it, and um I mean, we we had a small backyard garden where we grew, like, lettuce, cucumbers, peppers, um, lots of tomatoes. I feel like tomatoes, like, the easiest go-to for anybody who wants to start out um, gardening or farming. And um, we had nectar trees and orange trees in the back. So that's just – that's something that I'm really excited to be able to give our kids and grandkids when, yeah. when you know, incredible. we – finally have land and everything like that. I feel like it's so special to be able to, you know, uh, get to grow your food and watch it come up and then have it on your table. And and then, you know, with your waste, you know, compost it, and then you feed your garden all those good things that I just grew. And that's what I love about, like, the closed loops and the composting. Um, you guys – so what's, like, your compost setup? I'll give you that one.
1: Um, so – it's an interesting setup, I suppose. Um, you would consider it a mostly static setup, which is basically um, just a cycle of composting, of using perforated piping kind of at the bottom to allow airflow and water seepage. So basically okay. it's a four foot by eight foot um, raised bed that we build out of um, already harvested banana stumps. So nice.
0: They get as stacked you, like Lincoln logs.
1: Yeah. So basically it's like you're building a log cabin with banana stalks about four or five high, and then you're doing a lasagna style. So you do one layer or one um, one level of the stalks and you build your carbon, your nitrogen, or your nitrogen, mm-hmm. your carbon, and then your water, and then you build again. So we build twice a week. Um, we take food waste from all of our places as well as the restaurants. and Oh,
3: that's that's good
1: as well as some of the hunters um, other than myself, as well as some of the fishermen uh, bring us their waste. So carcass waste of fish and and deer and pigs, and that's a good nitrogen base as well. Um, And we just build it like that. And uh, we tarp it, put a tarp over top of it. We check temperatures. Temperatures range from anywhere from, let's just say 120 to 150. Oh, wow. 145, 155 is really what you're kind of looking for to be able to to break down and really have the microbial process take place as well as once you get to above that 160 or so mm-hmm.
3: uh,
2: it's
1: kind of the reverse you're kind right. of damaging because then you're cooking everything and everything's dying off
3: yeah all the microbes are yeah. like we're not happy man <laughs> too high. We,
1: we black soldier fly and fly and larvae is really one of the biggest most important aspects to at least uh, composting here um, we yeah we have so do-
4: many of those in our compost yeah. so like, good. we, People we are didn't buy, to buy any I don't know where they came from,
0: but yeah, they just showed up. <laughs> just, Same thing yeah. here. And people will try to buy them from us, and we're like, no. I want to feed like, them to my gold. chickens. Like, yeah,
1: no. No. no, no. So if no, they
0: no. show up, they're meant to be there for you, and that's a blessing.
1: <laughs> um, and no. that's, again, so we we kind of create all of our own biomass, and we have a bunch of glarycidia or pigeon Trees. peas or kiave, um, and every – well, the kiave doesn't really grow back, and that's kind of just a Hawaiian hardwood. Um, they use it for smoking like mesquite and stuff, but the mm-hmm. Glare City, okay. I, we trim those every oh, year. yeah, I
3: know what is. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful flavor, uh, smell, and then even after it, after you cut it and it oxidized, um oxidation sits through, it kind of gives mm-hmm. it this red pigment in the bark too, so it's absolutely beautiful. Um,
0: but they planted those on purpose here at yeah. the property to- for compost specifically to break down for compost,
1: here, right? for nitrogen fixing, for shade, for coffee and cacao. There's over 450 cacao, or I'm sorry, coffee trees on the property. Um, we won't go into coffee rust or anything like that right now, because that's a whole different conversation as well. That's all, uh, Yeah. And that's mostly coupon. We don't really pay attention to the cacao or the coffee. That's kind of theirs. We, we particularly stay with
0: Put us in touch with them. Group. We want to talk coffee. Oh yeah. yeah. They, oh, Jerry yeah. was supposed to be here too, but it's his birthday and we let him hit the golf oh. course. He's yeah. the compost master in our The compost king. Yeah. Yes. And his
1: wife is the, the coffee queen. Absolutely. They had their own coffee. Um, Everything retail store in oh, Canada, so cool. um, long time ago.
0: The so, two sisters did, yeah. The All right, well, happy birthday, birthday, Jerry! Yay, happy <laughs> birthday, happy Jerry! Jerry. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's <laughs> how the compost, compost kind of gets built, and then it lives for how long?
1: Um, about six months, it takes a uh, minimum six months. We may turn it a couple times just to make sure that there's no anaerobic um, process going rare, on right? or any air pockets, yeah. or just making sure that it stays moist throughout. Um. So we would keep a close eye on it. Jerry mostly keeps a close eye on it. Um, I mm-hmm. assist him. And and that's what we use, again, for our amendments, other than th- things such as feather meal. Um, and I also put coffee chaff in to be able to build organic material. I mow a lot of our brassicas and I incorporate those back in. Or when I say incorporate, I don't necessarily mean tilling. Uh, we okay. do low till here. We have a lot of uh, clay and rock in our soil. So sometimes yeah. Being able to plant into that becomes problematic, and so while we build through um, creating more organic material in our soil, we mow a lot of it, and then we'll come back with a rotary plow, which is a BCS attachment. BCS is the two uh, two wheel stand behind tractor that JM Fortier uses a okay. lot. Okay. Um, yes. And so we'll basically put a layer of soil on top of what we just mowed, and then we'll cover mm-hmm. it with a tarp. And within two weeks, it kind of breaks down all that organic material back into soil, and you're already ready to plant into it. Uh, so that's how we create that regenerative or indigenous uh, life cycle of amending and fertilizers, if you want to call it, into our com- into our beds. Right. And sometimes we have more compost, sometimes we have less compost. Uh, we have about 12 beds going at any given time, but...
0: 12 compost beds. Yes, I'm sorry, yeah. We have over
1: uh, 7,200-foot beds of vegetable crops, Okay, uh, which takes about 30% of the property. Um, And then everything else is kind of orchard, windbreaks, bamboo. Uh, Everything serves a purpose. And one of the biggest things that I have learned is that everything that you plant should have three uses to it almost. Uh, And you can categorize that however you'd like, whether it's windbreak or shade or nitrogen fixing or mulch or organic material going back in, or you're able to consume it or privacy. I mean, there's multiple different aspects that you can get out of one single crop or one um, tree. And so they've planned that spectacularly. It's beautiful.
0: (laughs) It's amazing to see like 10 even just like 15 years ago to like, see like that is just like sunshine on the property. Yes. And then I was just like trees and forest and garden. You're like, wow, it's amazing.
1: Before they took it over, dad um, was mostly a conventional corn and asparagus farmer. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about, you know, what you typically see in industrial agriculture, conventional agriculture, heavy use of pesticides, insecticides, herbicides, um, monocrop for miles. Colonizers. Yeah. Right. Monocropping. Um, And then even when Jerry came into the picture, Jerry is an ecologist and other than being an ecologist, he didn't have any farming experience and (laughs) he's very intelligent. Genius. (laughs) Um, I don't know how he comes up with some of the things he comes up with. And sometimes I think like for the banana stocks, I'm like, okay, so do we do it because it adds more moisture in and then to the compost. So then it's not allowing it to be anaerobic. He's like, no, we have it. I'm like, "Oh, okay. So sometimes <laughs> he's very thorough with how he's, he represents something. And other times he's just like, no, it's because we have it. So in his mind, he's just so, he's just. He
3: knows exactly what he's doing.
1: Yeah. Um, and so again, it's so incredible to learn from them such as that, because it's being relinquished to us, all that knowledge. And it's just amazing.
4: Have you had to deal with any, like, predators coming into your compost? Because, you know, you said you had, like, the fish carcasses and the, the pig waste and stuff like that. Yeah. Have you um, had to, like, so defend the only it from, thing like... That
1: we really have like to worry cats? about in our compost piles is going to be little field mice or cats. Um, and I guess one kind of fixes the other. Yeah. So <laughs> right. cats kind of eat the mice. They don't really mess mm-hmm. with them. Um, so in Hawaii, the only the only animals that we have here are deer pig
0: like predator wise and yeah that's, that's it the, yeah so in the a sense of or,
1: so yeah. um so no, the pest in really. sense you, uh, of deer deer are a huge pest but they're not
2: after the, compost. after the
1: compost and they're not necessarily after they they'll go through the field sometimes and they'll eat some things but they really are just destructive they just walk all yeah. over everything and we're kind of in a access deer highway Luckily, we have fences everywhere, so we keep really good control of um, keeping them away. But
0: It's never been as bad as it's been this year specifically.
1: It's been a little bit of a drier year. There's about 1,100 acres of pasture land right below us of just open Mm -hmm. pasture, and it's not when you think pasture it's not the green beautiful rolling hills of uh maui it's it's the drier portion of the island so it's brown lots of kiave because kiave are uh, a drought resistant tree cactus,
0: cactus. Yeah.
1: and so there's not a lot of life down there so they push further up the mountain we're at 2,000 feet because um, the further up you go the greener it becomes the atmosphere it yeah. starts to change it gets cooler and so we deal with that more problematically over the summertime but again it hasn't been i think the most that's happened and honestly it was goats our neighbors goats got onto the farm and
2: oh, they, no.
1: they ate about 20 feet of brassica Fast. <laughs> wow. i swear they watch us they do. and as soon as we they're get smart. off the farm they're like oh are they on lunch let's get them yeah and they jump the fence and eat uncle and then fixed they go the back yeah. uncle
0: fixed it we're good now
1: so it hasn't go been to too the bad a problem
3: sand, because they will eat like down to the root. They oh. take no
1: prisoners. No. It's gone.
0: <laughs> None. Are I you, went to like goat yoga once. They were like eating my yoga mat. They like don't you, care.
1: you familiar with Bougainvillea? No.
0: So Bougainvillea
1: is just really thorny. It can get really bushy. It can grow really tall and out. And it's just, it's a hassle to deal with. If it does have not have three purposes. It, it has, yeah, it has zero <laughs> purpose <like> it. Yeah. <laughs> Um Because there's thorns all over it. They will eat that like it's nothing. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm just, how do you even chew a thorn? <laughs>
3: no, my my grandparents were like they've told like they've told me like if you want to clear a field, just ask your neighbor to bring their goats over. Yes. And like, okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: We have cows, they're picky. Horses oh, same. Yeah. We don't have any. i
3: cows but. I've heard cows can be very intelligent and they will be like, "Oh, I like this leaf, but I don't like this leaf." And I mean, they're smart.
1: (laughs) They've tricked Ashley. They just keep mooing, and she she apparently thinks there's something wrong with them, so she goes down there and (laughs) feeds them. And so now, (laughs) whenever they want food, they just keep mooing.
0: They're so cute. Well, the cow is like a whole other story. We got these two lady cows, and then all of a sudden one just had a baby, and no one knew that she was pregnant. So they're so cute because now we have a baby cow.
1: Again, that pasture below us, they had some – some other cows in there and steers and they decided they wanted to sneak out one night and they're <laughs> oh, yeah. having party
0: <laughs> have, a, have a ladies night <laughs> yeah. yeah but the rancher got him back for us somehow out of his like 700 boy and then cows
1: 6 months later it takes longer for a cow to have a baby 6 months later she had a calf yeah. and, and so it wasn't from that time that she got out she just wanted one last hurrah before she yeah. <laughs> be mother, i guess yeah.
0: <laughs> i love those cows yeah but But yeah, goats... And back to compost. (laughs) No, you're
1: talking
2: about compost.
0: Um, No, I feel like they're little fortresses. The compost they build is... I mean, with the banana logs on the side, nothing really leaks out the bottom and the drain holes are on the bottom like he explained those plastic pipes and they kind of just go right into the ground, kind of whatever leakies. And then like the top has the tarp and they put really nice big sticks all around. And so I don't think anything can really get in there.
1: Yeah, and the biggest myth about... What you can and cannot add to your compost is really we just the only thing we won't add is plastic.
0: Well, on humanure.
1: Um, and oh, that's that's true. Uh, we have a very uh, nitrogen deficient soil, so we tend to stick more towards a nitrogen type of compost. So we don't put any manure in our compost, other than a little okay. bit that comes from the chicken. And kind of like what you were explaining, we we add shredded paper to it, and it's just one very thin layer that goes on. You know, a, a uh, I yeah, I was then. really.
3: I was really surprised when you when you were talking about putting like carcasses in there because what yeah. I've always been taught is like you do not add meat, like don't even think about it. So
4: it has to deal with like the temperature. Like yours get you know f- pretty warm, you know, for a compost. Right. Uh, but yeah, if you know, if, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the meat has to get to a higher temperature in order to actually decompose, right?
1: Right, and so if you think of I always relate things back to restaurants in some aspects, I suppose. So when you cook hamburger, technically you want to cook it to 145 degrees. Um, The danger zone is whatever they want it to be that year, but it ranges from 35 or 41 to 141 typically is that danger zone. And if it sits within that for four hours, that's when you start getting really bad bacteria. So the fact that ours actually cooks above 145 or 145 um, I believe that is what enables it to be able to cook out anything that would be improper and bad, and then it just
2: okay. breaks
1: down tremendously fast. Uh, we put probably I couldn't tell you the exact weight, but anywhere from seven hundred to a thousand pound pig in there. It was somebody's pet. And um, they it was the biggest Jerry comes up to me one day and he's like, Hey, I need you to come help me with this pig, and I'm like, Okay, no problem. We get there. I looked pet, at him,
2: right?
1: this isn't a pig. <laughs> 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 It was, I'm four of us couldn't pull it. It was like in it. a
0: bulldozer. It was, right? we
1: had to lift it with a, a tractor. Oh
0: my it, gosh.
1: It was the most enormous thing I've ever seen in my life. Nine days it broke down.
0: It was gone. It was like, it was like the tarp no. was kind of lifted. I'll, we, we'll have to send you the Instagram pictures to show you. It was amazing. And within nine days it was gone. It was just like disintegrated. Disintegrated. There was nothing left. And That's like, incredible. Um, and to see, yeah, it's insane. Wow. So he does really rely on, I would say, relies on the carcasses when he doesn't have fish waste or deer or pig waste. It's almost like, ooh, what are we going to do? He needs that piece.
1: Yeah. I mean, oh, wow. so uh, green waste and food waste is a really good nitrogen source as well. But that, the carcasses are definitely a kickstart. And we have numerous people that will text or call us. So many people come here. Or drop a pin. Hey, there's a dead deer on the side of the road. Here you
0: go. Oh, yeah we're like, what kind of condition is it in? And like one of the, yeah. oh gosh, Miles and I picked up a pig one time. It was After brutal. a couple of glasses
1: of wine, actually yeah. got really confident. <laughs> I was
0: like, we could do uh, it. Let's the, do it. And the pig had been
1: there for about three days.
0: Oh,
3: we did no. it though. Yeah.
0: You know, you're like,
3: a better person than I would. I would be like, nope. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: can't yeah, let
0: it, I can't let it go to the dump. It's because somebody yeah, left it right at the dump.
1: I took the opportunity. She's like, you ready? I'm like, let's go. <laughs> we
0: did it. Got gloves and put it in the trash can and yeah. now it's soil.
1: Look at that! Awesome. <laughs> yeah, so we're not.
0: So
4: you were talking about some of the like the different little animals that come and mess with your farm. Are there any mongoose on Maui?
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. And I didn't even know that. I there. Mm-hmm. I just asked
4: because uh, so in the Marine Corps, I'm a EOD tech. It's like explosive ordnance disposal, yeah. so we deal with explosive hazards and stuff like that. Wow. And on uh, Oahu, the Marine Corps base there there's this like endangered bird colony of red-footed boobies uh, like inside like the range so oh, wow. uh, we have to escort people out there all the time to make sure that the people that we're escorting are safe and uh, wow. I've worked with the, the USDA out there like trying to trap mongoose for the the bird colonies because they they nest in these like I don't know they they are trees but they're like you know four or five feet off the ground they're more like right. bushes.
1: Wow, I've never but, seen any. No, because it's just Oahu. It's not here.
0: Oh, maybe they're not in Maui. Yeah. That's so Yeah, I think they I said there's only
4: like there's yeah. like two spots, like naturally, that those birds uh, have nesting grounds. And yeah, one of them is like in the range in Hawaii on the Marine Corps base. It's kind of ridiculous.
2: Yeah.
3: Wow. Or you know, really the ranges and their nesting grounds. Whatever yeah. you wanna <laughs> however you want to look at that. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs>
1: Um,
4: but yeah are mongoose a problem on maui as well
1: um and in a lot of places as you go up further up the hill in elevation we don't see a lot of them here um they're they're i think mostly a thousand feet and below but yeah i think what's the the legend or not the legend but the story is that they brought mongooses in to kill the rats but rats are nocturnal and yeah
3: they have the opposite sleeping day oh gosh. so the
1: joke is that they high-five each other on the way out <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay well you're trying to kill all the native birds okay perfect high five yeah. you're in no. <laughs> yeah it
4: um, seems top like me
3: in, top me in. <laughs>
4: it seems yeah. like Hawaii has done that a lot because like oh yeah. yeah I I spearfished when I was uh, when I was in on Oahu and you know, there's the the Roy the R O I fish, yeah. Uh, and they they brought it in, you know, humans brought it in as like a feeder fish for the bigger fish, but it turns out that these fish have like all this like I forget the actual name of the bacteria, but it starts with the C I G, so they call it like Sig, some kind of Sig bacteria. So, what's that? What'd you say?
1: Zuziantheli.
4: Maybe. Okay. I thought it was yeah. like Sigutaria or something
1: like okay. that. Okay. I think, actually <laughs> coexists with coral reef and what creates the photosynthesis, so that's probably not the same thing.
4: Oh, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, another example of people bringing things into Hawaii saying like, oh yeah, this will help out, and then just completely backfires.
3: I feel like what needs to happen is people just need to stop trying to outsmart nature. Because she's already got it. She's like, I've been here a while, folks. I know what I'm doing.
1: It's okay. I don't need your assistance. It's fine.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Can you just stop?
2: Just go work. You
1: you talk about bringing things in, the deer. The deer started, I think it was, I could be wrong, but seven to 13 deer they brought in for, I believe it was one of the kings and they wanted to hunt it. And two, three got away and now we have 30,000 and they're destroying everything.
0: Yeah. It's so wild And they're so hungry. And so you you don't want to hear about cats. Sorry. Oh
1: my gosh. And the native
3: bird populations. Um, So I think it's the, yeah. So um, the Bishop Museum on Oahu, they have um, a whole like bird section. And it's just all these extinct species of birds that have either died from um, cats being brought in and like deforestation, things like that. And you're like, can we... Like, why are we not learning? Like, why haven't we figured out that we need to stop messing up, like, messing with ecosystems? Right, I completely absolutely
0: agree. Luckily, our new county council has been pretty awesome about that. So, we've been seeing a lot of change about in the past year and have, a lot of things happening here, which is good.
1: Have you been to Hawaii Kai in Oahu? Yeah. Okay. So, where the Costco is, have you ever been yeah. down there at night? No. No, not at night. I s- swear it's like, cat zombie there's (laughs) oh my god zombie apocalypse it's i'm like i'm not a a zombie apocalypse doesn't scare me cat apocalypse that was frightening (laughs) that was it was one of the scariest things there's i won't continue but they're so ragged and everything else yes so (laughs) i i think cat issues are bigger than mongoose and other other types of things we
0: adopt cats here at Um, the farm though
1: we have, like, yeah, we, we capture and um, spade and, or neuter. Um, mm-hmm. Historically, they do that. And so there's about six or seven on the We've property, never had
0: but... a cat until we lived here. And then, like, it came with the house. And then, I think there's, like, nine or 12 cats on this whole property. I just
3: adopted you. They're like, yeah. we, we've lived here longer than you. Welcome yeah. in. Exactly.
0: <laughs> now she's a three-legged cat, and we love her even more. Yeah. She's so Aww. cute. Yeah. Yeah,
3: so I saw – okay, so what is the Chapter 7 amendments? Because you're talking a little bit about how your county – like things are going well um with far like the farming and the support so what's the uh, what's the chapter 7 amendment
0: I don't remember what the amendment was specifically It's the numbers it
1: right the one that you that matters the most in in the sense of what we're speaking about right now would have been mm-hmm. um the amendment to to start and develop a Maui County Department of Agriculture right so oh, then it awesome. wouldn't be just state or federal. We wouldn't have mm-hmm. to go through those, but we'd actually have a department here that advocates for regenerative methods, grants, um, awesome. and, and be able to assist us. Kind of a, a one-stop shop of yeah. uh, agricultural knowledge that's going on, writing, helping write legislator. Um,
0: this has been a big trend, basically, that we've seen basically, in our county council because of
1: Things that other departments should have been doing that yeah. haven't been doing, as well as they developed this um, department that was supposed to be able to increase agricultural land in Maui or Hawaii, and they just did a, a, a report on it, and they have no idea what they're doing. So mm-hmm. we're hoping that this doesn't fall in the place of insanity, um, doing the same thing, expecting different results, but it will actually advocate for the new small micro farmer, regenerative farmer To be able to help write legislator that enables us to be able to have um, maybe more workers on the farm or farm dwellings and so on and so forth. And just really figuring out what's the best move forward, step forward for Maui in the sense of what industry are we going to allow to take the lead.
0: Yeah, we've been really involved with our, we've always been involved with our county council. We're friends with them. I think that most people, if you do care about your community, you should know who those people are. They're your neighbors and they like absolutely can change the laws around you. And so I I knew Keani from Molokai when she was running her first time and helped her because, again, I'm a party planner. Mm-hmm. So I helped her just do her first little kickoff. But I knew nothing about politics at that time. Learned a little bit more and more of my friends started running. And then just being able to advocate for what your family or what your community, you feel is important to you, you can do that. And I think that that's so amazing. And this past year, our it's been a big switch over of what the council has won in the past. It was previously a development-based council, and now they're a mm-hmm. lot more focused on our community and focused on farmers. And so uh, for an that's example, so yeah, yeah, something else we were, you know, like there's been a bunch of different like amendments that we've just been kind of advocating and fighting for. And one of them was they used to give $4.5 million to the Maui Tourism Authority. And just to <gasps> add <laughs> to Maui and, you know, Oahu, they get 800000 for their tourism authority. So me, I come from the hotel side of things. I saw how they spent that $4.5 million. I saw them just have, you know, dinners in New York City and fly people on helicopters for 20 minutes to the hotel to win their business from the Bahamas. And that money sh- from this county should not be... Be spent that way. People are going to come to Maui.
1: (laughs) Like people know what they know
0: what Maui is, and so it was awesome to be a part of the people that could advocate with the council this year to switch that. And we are now one of the recipients of the grants that is going to help us build our new packing shed. And to see that from beginning to end to fight. With the county council, and Good then to testimony. go through the whole, yeah, testimony, and then go through the grant process, which that felt very adult. I've never done a grant before, but you know, a big book <laughs> report, and then to be awarded, and the checks just got writ- written this month to you know people that we are proud of in our community, and to see them get those checks during such a hard time right now has been, which is yeah. incredible.
1: One of the other biggest yeah. things we wanted to do, if we were getting county grant money, we wanted to keep the money in Maui, so we didn't want to utilize those funds outside of Maui. So everything we could, we, we sourced and it was everything, everything we sourced from Maui. And so we kept that money in Maui County. Trying to use that even on outer islands or trying to use that on Amazon to get goods or, you know, that was one of the biggest things too, as well as we, we have a lot of flower friends that grow flowers, Mm -hmm. but our biggest goal Is food security. And so we would love to see our friends get those grants as well, which is kind of why we nudged them and said, Hey, grow some food because we expressed our view of, I really think that this needs to be geared towards people that are growing food because that's what matters the most right now. Um, and fortunately, unfortunately, bittersweet pros and cons to everything, I suppose, um, with everything that happened in 2020, there was no point to relinquish $4.5 Four point five million dollars to tourism because obviously it wasn't something that was going to be prominent or probably, right. <laughs> yeah. So then that is why Especially they with- were able to take two and a half million and allot it to farmers and micro grants.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, Governor Ige did a pretty good job at locking Hawaii the f down.
2: Right. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Did you?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, we still have a lot of friends in Hawaii that are either local or you know they they just haven't moved yet. But um, it sounded pretty rough out there. So how are you guys – I mean, how are you guys doing with everything?
0: Yeah, and in, in terms of us, it's it's honestly been the opposite. And I think that we have a lot of, I guess, opportunist friends around us. And everybody mm-hmm. that we know has either taken this time to pivot and start passions that they've always had they've never been able to do because they were a wedding photographer and maybe oh. she wanted to shoot, oh. you know, farm photography. And that's one of the grant you know, monies that we were able to give to our friend Angie Diaz photography like she was able to step away from doing weddings for a minute and be able to shoot all of our crops and now she's like shooting every farm on the island and Working oh, to so you know, finalize her citizenship, which has been so hard for her in the past couple of years. She's been denied so many years, and with the new administration, like everything has been such a blessing. Uh, personally, I, I mean, just to even I know, yeah. see people just like branch out into these new things. Um, so yeah, it's been incredible. It's it's hard, but it's been a blessing,
1: mm-hmm. I guess. I, I mean that's sorry. Go ahead. Okay, um, <laughs> we're very community based. Yes, people huge as well. So it's people. not we're all about trickle down effects. How can we help? How each can other? we benefit again, going back to the collectivisticness of what Hawaii is, especially Maui, um, when things started happening, um, with any farm, I suppose you're going to have some sort of waste after you plant, there's going to be things that we don't plant. So we have, let's say anywhere from 10 to 50 starts of lettuce or preachikaba, which is broccolini or, um, whatever that may be. And what we did is we started giving that out. Um, because again, food security, Yes. being able to help people get food in their backyards. I had people tell us, well, you guys could be charging X, Y, and Z. And, you know, that's, it's amazing. I mean, that and, and if about... we farm for profit, which, you know, you want to make some sort of profit, but we're not going to capitalize on trauma or we're not going to capitalize yeah. on something that um, to me is the most important aspect of what you should be doing when you're farming is, is the whole education aspect too. I'm really big on educating and answering questions Um, I probably should be on my phone less, but I actually get a lot of work done so I can justify, but I love (laughs) answering people's questions, whether it's about IPM, which is integrated pest management or amendments and how to fertilize on an organic basis or how to rotate. Um, You know, I have a very specific rotation of how I rotate crops because I don't want to put the same thing in the same bed for almost a whole year, as well as you want to interchange what that is to keep, it's a guessing game basically for pests as you keep rotating. And so to be able to share our knowledge Um, especially in a time where we weren't necessarily feeling anything other than maybe being too busy.
0: Well, but the rest, it was a crazy shift because yeah, the restaurants were done in a week. Like it was like, if we didn't have the opportunity to shift to CSA, which I think again, is just like making sure that in all forms you can be flexible at any time. Like same with my wedding company, you know, how can I switch and still be pivot? and take care of myself where I, my competitors are just, we have to get back to work. And it's not the answer. Like there's ways to figure it out. And yeah, we dropped all our restaurant accounts, but we shifted and we went from 12 to 60 families within a week and got out there and found them and figured out who needed the food and switched our logistics up and relied on new friends. And yeah, it really was an awesome transition to see and continue to see growing.
1: And then some of those chefs that have come around and wanted to help. I've had plenty of people reach out and say, you know, I want to work for you, um, which is one of the biggest uh, compliments is that somebody wants to work for you for whatever reason that may be. But we're really big on having, building people up to work for themselves and really finding, and farming can be a passion or an outlet to be able to do something that you really like, but really talking to some of these people and and building them and creating success for them is really what we want to do as well.
2: It's so rewarding. It might,
1: yeah, it might not necessarily be um, for us or working for us, but like one of one of the chefs specifically, I, I, I would love to see him take on this new role to be able to be self-sustaining and self-reliant to not have to work for somebody. Because I think our generation is really big on trying to work for ourselves and be there for ourselves. Yeah. And so that's part of our community outreach too, is how can we help anybody grow into something that they're trying to do? And we just want everybody to succeed. There's no such thing as competition to us out here in Maui. Gosh, Um, we tell our
0: CSA members the same thing. I'm like, gosh, if you can get your garden growing in the backyard and you can graduate and you're off of the List. it's not sad to me no. <laughs> it's just like yay yeah. like you got your garden going and if you need anything else call me but that's amazing
1: yeah. we try to help other farmers sell products or some of the people that were in our fam program with us yeah. that are doing honey or flowers we we put those in our boxes and we help promote them that's and it's been like fun. it's food security is never going to be achieved by one business or one farm or one farmer it's going to be the collectivistic whole
3: an entire community working and living
0: together
1: Immersing. And that's what it takes. Yeah,
0: Immersing yourself in the community.
1: And so anything that we can do, especially here for the Maui community, because we're more familiar with farming here on Maui because everywhere's mm-hmm. going to be a little different. Um, not that we don't answer questions elsewhere, but that's what we want to do is we want to be here for the community in any way that we possibly can.
3: I mean, between farmers and growers and if you guys, you know, everyone works together and everybody gets involved, there shouldn't be any hungry bellies you know and that's one thing that I would love to see happen I mean not just all over the world but in America especially that we have such a terrible diet you know based on processed oh, yeah. and refined foods I would love to see homesteading and backyard growing become more of a become more prominent because I think, I don't know, for us, COVID this year shifted our perspective. Like I used to be, um, you know, hashtag boss, babe, photographer. I, right. um, I was very consumer minded. And then it's like when I had that time to slow down and think, because I, I used to be, I was just really ill all the time. I had horrible problems with exhaustion. Um, I have psoriasis and it just covered my whole body. I was like having a lot of like mental illness. I just felt so awful, Mm -hmm. but I was working every day and I was, you know, making X amount of money. So that, that was success to me. And, and, you know, once I was given this time to slow down and like spend time with family, I kind of had this moment and I had more time to read. And I had this moment that I was like, why is, like, why do I care if I'm the most book photographer on the island? Like, why do I, like, what am I doing? Like, what does that even mean? And um, I think once I had, like, that epiphany, uh, like, our whole lives changed. And, yeah. I guess, like, since that moment, and I would say, like, June – um, we started the podcast. We got back in touch with like our roots a little bit and just have been so focused on living a value filled life. And to be honest, I mean, I make a fraction of what I used to make. Right.
0: I have never been happier. Right. I've never been
3: happier. I completely
1: agree.
0: I'll say it again. I gave up a toilet (laughs) for this lifestyle. I would love to have one again. I'm just going to keep putting it in the universe. It's coming to me. But yes, um, it still doesn't feel like that much different. Like it's crazy. It's like, okay, we are living like way less and making way less money than we used to, but we're so much more life fulfilled. It's incredible. It feels so good. It's amazing. It's
3: crazy because sometimes I have to be like, "Oh yeah, Storm, you you can't buy that dress. Like that's that's not I, in your pay grade either. anymore." <laughs> um, I still have my boudoir photography studio, but I I I mean, I only shoot like twice a month now versus when I was shooting like eight to ten times. So- um, but. Yeah, just I get so much fulfillment from watching our little plant babies grow and speaking to like-minded people and speaking to farmers just like yourselves that I could not imagine. Like, I don't even know how I was. It's just it's weird when you think about like how you used to be and you think about what your goals and your intentions were before you started this process. I just can't imagine that you used to live any
1: other way.
0: Oh my gosh. And if you were to continue down that path,
1: when it's just, when you, you know, the American culture is to keep you hustling, right? Keep you busy, keep your mind going. So when you don't have the ability to actually step back where you're forced, and that's what ended up happening throughout 2020 is that people were Mm -hmm. forced to step back into this new light of what am I going to do? Who am I? Am I passionate about what I'm doing? And so on and so forth. That's what created this awakening at least in the agricultural realm, where food security and supporting local became a little more serious here in Maui. Oh,
3: absolutely. Um,
1: and I mean, around the world. And because Maui's not the only one that has, um, that will have any kind of issues in the food industry, mm-hmm. like all those chickens that ended up dying in Florida with the eggs. Everybody <sighs> will start feeling this. And if we don't start supporting local, then it's going to be a lot harder to backtrack later. So, that was one of the, the things that came out of 2020 is that people started realizing how important it was to mm-hmm. support local or to be into something that they really enjoy and not, I, you know, I was lucky August, 2019, I was finally done with restaurants. Um, so I got a little bit of a head, but I couldn't have been so happy to be able to stepping out of that world and seeing other friends that are just like, Oh, now that this is done and I'm not making $200, 500 700 $1,000 a night, this isn't why I'm happy and I have nothing to show yeah. for it. And So it's very rewarding to be able to have that step back and slow down to be like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing what I, I need to be doing. I might be doing and what it, I want to be doing, but it's yeah. not what I need.
3: And it opens up your eyes and you're like, I don't, I don't, ha- it's like, it's like you're running on, you know, the, what's the wheel?
4: Yeah, hamster
2: wheel. Yeah, I'm it's sure like you're running on a hamster wheel, and then
3: like 2020 like shook you off, and then at least for us, it like shook me off, and I was like, wait, yeah. why have I just been running in circles, literally working to buy things, and just that was my constant thing. Like, oh, if I book X amount of sessions, then I can afford this couture dress for my 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 client closet, and that was just just the cycle, constantly oh, working yeah. to spend, like over and over again and then once I kind of got shook off I was like I am sick and I am miserable and my body is falling apart and my like just my happiness is in shambles but so it kind of just made me slow down and realize that there's so much wholeness on the other side once you have that consumer mindset and I I'm so thankful that 2020 wasn't as hard on us as it could have been. You know, I'm not diminishing that at all. Right. Absolutely. We
1: agree hundred percent.
3: But the movements that I have seen rise out of it, rise out of that year, you know, people are homesteading more. People are, you know, they're growing in their backyards. They're picking up traditional hobbies and they're doing all these things that just fill their hearts up. And, Oh my gosh. I'm just so thankful that, I I don't know, I kind of have like this glimmer of hope for society that it's like, we learned so much last year.
2: Yeah.
3: What if we just took that and grew with it and, you know, reached out to our neighbors and everybody just supported each other. I feel like we could finally get out of that race. Absolutely.
0: We need more makers. We need more people that are focused on wanting to do again. Like, you know, even you look at Molokai and our friends that live over there, she's like, we need somebody that wants to get kids that want to be a veterinarian and a kid that wants to be like, uh, like auto fixer. Like they don't have those people that even want to be there. And here on Maui, it's amazing to see that not even the farmers kids want to be the farmers. And so and I think yeah. it's time if you, if anybody does feel that way, like they do enjoy, like we got to get our trades going again and yeah. get people, mm-hmm. you know, their hands working again. And it feels so good to, you know, you don't have, like, I was in that lifestyle of working at the hotels and that rat race and just, like, purses and pearls. (laughs) Just, like, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Get back to what's real. Absolutely. That's crazy. I
4: think, like, the the last big, you know, shakeup like this was probably, like, the 2008 recession. Yeah. And if you think about, like, the, like, Uber, like, Airbnb, (laughs) I I think Airbnb, definitely Uber, like, came out of that, like, you know, This crisis of, you know, everyone's hurt, strapped for cash, people are selling their cars and people, you know, create these companies that, you know, capitalize on that. And now they're like household names. I think the same thing is going to happen with the 2020 crisis and Mm -hmm. like all these like back to nature, small Mm -hmm. scale, you know, handmade items like craft stuff. I love seeing
3: it.
1: There's
4: I feel like. You know, as a maybe not like one big company like Uber is going to come out of it, but just the movement is going to you
1: know. I like that. In fifteen years,
4: it's going to be as common as Uber is. You know,
1: and I think we don't we don't want something necessarily like Uber to come out of it because twenty twenty was about your community and about Mm -hmm. local and support and um, staying healthy. And so, what we learned from twenty twenty two is that all the big businesses capitalized and they made billions more
2: um, oh,
1: where all the sure small is. businesses suffered and so hopefully more small businesses are able to prevail through this and to be able to succeed opposed to starting something such as we don't have uber out here so i mean we do I yeah just scale but we don't really see it very like
0: much yeah, but i like your take on that i think Absolutely. that the movement is going to be out of 2020 that it forced people to do that so it's going to slow them down and that people are going to be able to rise up it's going to be awesome yeah.
4: Because Definitely we, a revolutionary.
0: I think
1: had to I, step aside and create a business for yourself, especially here in Maui. If you want, if you, if you belong here and you want to be here, uh, I mean, a, a couple weeks to a month can be detrimental in the sense of not taking on an yeah, income. Absolutely. And so that really separated the ones that were here to keep moving forward and to start something for themselves versus the people that were in a or unable or incapable um, for whatever reasons, whether it's family or, um, not able to be able to shift and restrategize. Um so we will have a lot of loss, but hopefully we have a lot of um, oh either gosh, equalization we have so many from new it or like, balance from
0: delivery it. companies now. They're the best. I love it. <laughs> That's the greatest.
4: Yeah, it's definitely a, a big shakeup that we need.
3: Yeah. I think I think we were due for it. I think we had been so focused on uh, you know, whether it be brands or cons- like just consuming and trendiness and everything like that that now I mean like personally like we've made the pledge to either buy from like slow fashion or buy used um, things like that whereas before like I mean I grew I grew up I grew up kind of poor and so as an adult there was no way in hell I was ever gonna shop secondhand right like. Because for me, I had to do that as a kid. And like, you know, growing up, I was like, when I grow up, I'll buy everything new (laughs) like in my head. And now I'm like, now I kind of just had that that mindset shift that I was like, okay, so I can afford new, but at what social risk is it? At what social cost? And now I'm like, I can thrift this. I can buy what on eBay? Like I'm about it now.
0: Right. right. I think that's been an awesome part for us in like meeting our members too. And just like, you know, the community that we've built here and like learning from them as well. Like immediately when you say, and you talk about like slow, I think about our Indigo Wild Swim and now Paca and just like learning from our members and they have those passions and the community that found us is really mm-hmm. feeding back to us as well. It's been so awesome to just feed into that whole circle where, yeah, we were running, I running, running that. before making a lot of money, but how were we impacting our community before? You know, it was and more. And us who's versus... taking the hit for the exactly?
1: You know, who's taking the cost on whether it's the environment yeah. or um, the people. people in different countries that are in sweatshops or whatnot? You really need to think about where everything comes from and everything. the full circle where it's going to go, um, how it's going to go.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, we just did a we just did an episode on sl- um, slow fashion, and that was all. That, I mean, we addressed all those things because you don't. Like yeah, you see, you know, companies like Shane and Fashion Nova and stuff, and you see like, oh, I can get this for eight bucks, but there's a reason it's eight dollars because somebody else is paying for it. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Somebody else's time and forced labor is paying for it.
0: Gosh, uh-huh. that's the education we have to do on an onion every day. Sixty nine cent onion. Sixty nine cent or you onion. Want a four
1: dollar. <laughs> do you
0: want onion? <laughs> a four dollar Maui onion? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. It's a hard sale, but. Um people that get it really get it yeah we're always about educating absolutely
3: so speaking of educating um what is one last thing that you want our listeners to be able to take away from this conversation
1: um interesting
3: (laughs) (laughs) what's like yeah if you could tell them like one thing or you know one lesson what do you want to share with them
1: don't be afraid to just get your hands dirty. Um, everything's a learning lesson and and until you're enthralled in it and, and doing it every single day, um, like that's really when you start catching on. And so I like to tell people that, especially when they're starting new adventures is perfection. Do not rely on perfection before you start because perfection will never be obtained. Um, So in the sense of getting your hands dirty in the farm, I mean, whatever you um, like to eat, try that and try growing it in your backyard, like tomatoes. Um, Because you can let tomatoes go and they'll produce a lot for you. (laughs) And then you can learn how to prune them later down the road because they get crazy. Um, (laughs) But I mean, really, in just supporting your local farmers and getting out there, because when when you're friends with somebody... They tend to put themselves out there a little bit more and more for you because you have the standing relationship. So, whether your friend's a doctor or your friend's a chiropractor or your friend's a farmer or your friend's a party planner, um, you know, it's the Kama INA deals, right? Like you you get. Mm-hmm. And so, why would you not support a farmer direct? Because we say we sell a $30, a $30 value box, but that I'm not. When I say it's a pound of broccoli and it's a pound and a half and it's a pound and a half, I'm not charging you for that extra half because I'm not going to cut it off. I want everything to look beautiful. I'm a color snob. I'm an aesthetic. snob. <laughs> that's where that purple cauliflower comes from. Because Go if I just it. grew all green, I just I just want it inspire me, and I want to be inspired, which is why I have three different colors of beans because I want to see and taste the rainbow. I yes yes. I want to look at my fields at any given time and just that wow factor and this might be off topic now, but you said that was okay. But um, so again, going to that wow factor is, and that's really why we farm. Um, and it's nice that we're able to provide for families, but to be able to grow a purple cauliflower everybody's usually only seeing white.
0: Make everybody um, smile right now. Yeah. Well, really,
1: and that's what I got from the restaurants too, is creating that wow factor creating is an creating experience. the experience for people. Um, we grow corn too. And that's kind of, you know, almost blasphemy in Hawaii because is <laughs> one of the hardest things so to grow hard. because everything loves it. Not just people. Um, leafhoppers love it. Mosaic virus loves it. Birds love, birds it. love it. Cows <laughs> love it. Goats love it. <laughs> deer love it. Everything loves it. And so we planted 400 feet and we got 40 pounds. Um, oh wow!
3: Yeah, well,
1: yeah, so that's... that's not very much, right? <laughs> yeah, a yeah, yields
3: not not too great.
1: Historically, we were selling it for two dollars a pound. And I was challenged by a previous person that is no longer here. And I said, oh, well, I can sell it for $4 a pound to one of my chefs. And I was told I was crazy. Anyway, I ended up selling it for $4 a pound. <laughs> but what is four times 40? $160 on 400 feet. That's two beds. So that's we don't that, that's farm a lot of space. Right. We
0: do it for the members. So we don't farm yeah, for profit. To see profit their face when they got that corn.
1: Because when our members get our bags each week and, and let's just say, 30 40 percent of the bag is the same it's going to be carrots or beets and lettuce and -hmm. they're still like wow this is just so freaking incredible Mm -hmm. that's really what we're going for and that's really what you should be doing in your own backyards it's not it's not this negative thing if yeah, we lose crops. Ashley's not okay with losing crops as much as I am, but um, <laughs> there's a certain percentage that you have to account for that you're going to lose. and so.
0: But you still take the jump and that's you what still we, immerse yourself. We want
1: people to yeah. to grow something in their backyard and be like, oh my God, do you see this beet? My dad wrote me and he's like, do beets, how do you know when beets are done? I'm like, you'll see it above the ground. He's like, it doesn't grow in the ground. I'm like, well, I mean, some of them do, but no, like, here's a picture. And he's like, oh my God. And so just <laughs> It's like becoming a child again. You know there is remember, that excitement and wonder. Yeah. I remember biology when I was in grade school, but I don't remember biology. And and yeah. so when you come back out and you start realizing these things that you were taught when you were younger and you start recreating them, like that's the magic you want. Like whether it's one carrot in your backyard or whatever it is, it's just grow things that are going to make you smile and make you proud and inspired to continue going. And yeah, okay. there's definitely going to be loss around the way. Um, I'm pulling out a 100-foot bed of pole beans right now because I allowed my other beans to go longer than I should have. So then the pest jumped from one to the other. So I'm losing 100 feet, and I only got one harvest out of it. Okay, oh, It stinks, but you know that just makes more space for me to be able to create something different and to be uh, able to put something else in the ground and to try and something.
3: I think I planted like 15... 15- garlic and so far only two or three have popped up and a few others like they looked kind of rotted and I'm like all right well um I guess you know we'll try again in a few more (laughs) weeks and but um we're growing pumpkins too right now and um and these are pumpkins that were from Halloween that first somehow didn't rot and so a couple weeks ago I. Um, opened them to collect some seeds. And I was like, we're going to grow pumpkins. This is going to be the best. And uh, my youngest was helping me. And there were little like pumpkin seedlings inside the pumpkins. And I was like, look, like the pumpkin has babies. And um, it was, I mean, she helped me scoop all the pumpkin seeds out. She helped me um, like separate them and clean them and dry them. And the, the way I think about it is, like, this is such a cool science experiment for her. Like, this is awesome. Like, you know, she gets, and then, um, like, she helps me cook more and things like that, and so we're really trying to instill the idea that food isn't just, food isn't just bought between plastic on a grocery shelf. Like, your food, like, trying to incorporate the the food life cycle into our own family, into our own cooking. I feel like we'll connect our, we'll connect our kids so much to what food is. And it it really is a a gift. And so often we're just used to grabbing our food out of a window, you know, swiping with a card and being like, all right, cool. But, but um, this is, I, I, I'm developing a greater connection with our food. And I think that's so special. And that's something that I hope everybody gets to experience. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And I, I think that's a good experimenting and it's, we leave about 10 to 15% of our beds for experimentation, whether it's strawberries or um, other crops that we're not aware of, they're going to work in the summertime versus wintertime. Cause it's a big difference. It's just don't be afraid to experiment. And that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily need to be just with, farming you know as we're younger we experiment and we have no fear but as we get older we tend to stick to what we know and our comfort levels until something happens and we're thrown outside that comfort level um but just experiment and i mean i don't necessarily believe in failure as as a as an ending it's inevitable and you can learn from it and in farming it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be an easy answer because there's so many different variables. Why am I getting powdery mildew here? Why are the carrots not growing? Is it the sunlight? Is the nutrients? Is it a pest? There's so many different variables, but through that experimentation, it almost again brings you back to that childhood nature of the scientific method and and experimenting things and trialing things and observing things and, and really being intentional with what you're doing and in the moment versus just having your mind go from one thing to the next. And I'm, I'm, I'm extremely ADHD and I'm actually kind of proud that I haven't rambled as much as I typically do, but, <laughs> Still go. um, and, and <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, so experimenting and, and making sure that you're not afraid of just trying things because you'll never know if you don't try. Absolutely. I didn't know if I was going to be able to run a farm. And I mean,
0: it's, we still learn learning every I, day you, you learn. Know, you, tell it you have a certain
1: amount of chefs and you have 40 CSA members and the CSA members paid you for three months and you want to make sure that you have all the food, but then the chefs want food. And so you're, cut. it's just like a chess game that you're balancing in your head of how much can I actually produce and sell and still have a sustainable um, level of food in my beds while mm-hmm. maintaining um the integrity of those beds by being able to put cover crop and allowing the beds to rest, build organic material and nutrients and so forth. It's just, you know, it can be scary sometimes, but it's
0: you just gotta until roll you with try it. it and
1: do it. You just, I think you just,
0: everybody thinks that, they think somebody else just knows, you know, it's just like when you're kids, you think adults have it all figured out. If adults don't know what they're doing. You're just like figuring oh my it out gosh. every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you like want to try to grow something in the backyard, just try. And like, you want to be a farmer, you want to whatever you want to do. I think, yeah, we both have the attitude of, you just got to ju- take that huge jump and just figure it out every day. Like research.
1: If and there's ever a moment that you tell yourself out. you want to do something, just try it. Yeah. Um, because if you don't yeah. try it, you may look back like
3: me. yeah the time's gonna pass anyway, so you might as well take that you might as well take that jump you might as well learn something you know yeah absolutely yeah oh so before before we go we gotta kind of wrap things up but you said that you don't have kids so i'm wondering are you open to adopting a 28 year old from, uh, from Okinawa just for like two weeks or so I'll eat absolutely, my veggies absolutely. but can I come intern with you guys for a little bit
0: we'd love yeah. to plug our little woofer friends woofing is something that's amazing um, it's something that's probably our biggest hit honestly that we've ever had was um, with COVID was losing our interns to be honest because that's something that they again the adoption mindset of Ho'omakua they have always adopted new people always into this land and so to not have that Gosh, connection to just new friends and new people that want to be connected to the land has been really hard, but it's coming back. And what we have three girls from Yale coming next week, right? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. So, it's I mean, it's about good a, and you guys can fit
1: about, in there. We can tell them that we actually <laughs> planned on you coming first and they have to give a rain check. <sighs>
3: <laughs> i'm like i'll i'll camp outside i'm not scared like let me well, but,
1: but if, yeah, yeah if it's something that you'd really want to consider you know people please reach out to us yes absolutely i think april might be the first time that we're able to take that's um, so
0: exciting! The
1: next round,
0: and that's something I wish I knew about before. And I like, you know, even w- while we're you know that's heading tough. out before we leave, it's just something like, wait, that you could have traveled. People want to get into farming, like look into woofing, like that's amazing. So and the people I've Woofie? met are incredible. What's, what's right? woofing? I've never
1: I've worldwide never heard organization of, of organic farmers. So basically, um, there's a woof website that allows you to sign up as well as farms, and then you can kind of cycle through their um, not itinerary, but their database or directory of farmers farmers in all different parts of the world. Um, and then it puts you into contact with those farmers and then you kind of go through, um, a preliminary application process or an Mm -hmm. interview process and you kind of see if it's a good fit. Typically it's anywhere from 20 to 25 hours a week, which will be, um,
0: Compensated back Thank to you. you with a roof over your head and mainly veggies, typically yes. all over the world. Different that's farmers what do this. Uh, I can't believe it's a thing. I didn't know about it at that's all. That's so
3: cool. So, after I mean, I we spoke with JM a little bit, but we also spoke with um, Donica Marquigard and she um, she's like a, a world renowned wildlife tracker and regenerative mm-hmm. Farmer. Um, if you don't know who she is, I definitely check her out, but she okay. um. She would go tracking and she would um, like live in like guest houses or guest rooms and she would help work the land and everything. And um, she illustrates this in her book, um, Donnegan and Wolf Girl. And I was like, am I like I have a family and everything, obviously, but I was like, I wonder if I could sneak away for a couple of weeks and go learn and just you know, like live in the guest room or something like that because I am so thirsty to like get my hands dirty, get my learn on and just like form these, these connections and get back to the earth. And
0: so I'm going to have to check out. Absolutely. Um, Look wolfing. up woofing because there's day, daytime woofing now is becoming more popular as people want to get into farming and like mm-hmm. you can just find day volunteer. And then mainly yes. it's typically like these three month commitments or you know,
1: which is what we do with our volunteer program for on Island people,
0: but okay. and in, in, in Up and down and highly recommended. Um, it's pretty awesome. And the really, the places you get to stay in are so cool. I was just like a little tentina. It's like a little vintage. It's a, Bali-Yurt. Bali-Yurt. Oh, so a cool. And a so cool. It.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll be, we'll be in touch because I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, okay.
3: I will too. She'll be more than happy to come.
0: Oh, <laughs> thanks guys.
3: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I absolutely adored our conversation, and I'm really excited to see more of your stuff and to hopefully talk some more. Absolutely. Absolutely, it's yeah, an honor. Thank you guys for having yeah, us.
1: absolutely.
3: Oh, um, cool real pleasure. quick, where can where can our listeners find you?
0: Absolutely, the easiest place to find us is on Instagram at Ho'omaku'a Farm, and from there you can go and learn a bit, a little bit more from our links that are on the Instagram.
3: All right. And if you guys, um, listeners, if you guys check our show notes, you'll be able to get the links to their website and Instagram and all that good stuff. Thanks, guys. All right. Yeah,
1: you guys are Thank awesome. You guys have a good one. You too. Hello everyone.
3: <laughs> Feeling social? Follow us at the Feel Good Community Podcast on Instagram for daily inspiration, our blog, and behind-the-scenes footage.
4: Join the Feel Good Community Podcast on Facebook, where you can read interesting articles, ask us questions, and share progress of your own journey.